How do you how do you get that pattern interruption where they stop their scroll and you win that first three seconds? From Reminder Media, this is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Hosted by the VP of Marketing, Josh Stake, and Reminder Media's president, Luke Akery. So get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. All right, welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike along here with Luke Akery. We have an amazing interview for everybody today who is looking to grow their social media following. We all are looking to grow our social <laughs> And stand out, more importantly, in an age that's incredibly saturated with content. But before we introduce our guests, we would love it if you would take a minute, subscribe to Stay Paid on Apple Podcasts. If you're not already subscribed and leave a review along with a comment to let us know how we're doing. This week's featured review comes from Amy ZB. Amy ZB is back. She says this on Apple Podcasts. Luke and Josh are my free coaches. Five stars. When my business was slow and my energy draining last year, I searched and found this podcast. I listen to them every day for broad-based action ideas. The Reminder Media Magazine I signed up for after a few months has been so beneficial with longtime customers, friends, Mm. and most of all, my family. It is high quality and tailored to me and my personal interests. That's amazing. Thank you, Amy. Not only a listener, but also a client of Reminder Media. Really appreciate that. Our guest today, I am so excited to have this uh, guy on because I read his book, his first book about two years ago. And he just came out with a new book. His name is Brendan Kane. He's a business and digital strategist for Fortune 500 corporations, brands, and celebrities, including Taylor Swift, Rihanna, Katie Couric, and many more. He served as vice president of digital for Paramount Pictures and helped scale one of the largest social optimization firms in the world that works with brands like Disney, Fox, Netflix, and LinkedIn. But maybe what he's best known for is generating 1 million followers in less than 30 days which he breaks down how he did it in his first book, 1 Million Followers. I've got the book right here. I'm holding my hand. Check out the YouTube video (laughs) for that. His most recent book, Hook Point, is all about how to stand out in a three-second world and is available now on Amazon or at hookpoint.com. Brendan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Like I said, I'm, I'm excited because when we were trying to grow our social media following, I'm out there looking for resources, looking for ways that we can kind of generate content or create content that's going to, that's going to help us grow followers. We're really working on growing, on, uh, growing Luke's. And I picked up the book, 1 Million Followers, How I Built a Massive Social Following in 30 Days, mainly because of the title, which I think is what <laughs> we're probably going to get into when we talk about Hook Point. But before we do that, let uh, give everyone a little bit of taste of your background, kind of how you got to where you are, and then ultimately what led you to do this challenge of uh, gaining a million followers in 30 days. Yeah, so I've been in this space for for quite some time. I started way back in really in like 2003, 2004. So I, I really wanted to pursue a career in film and wanted to learn the business side of it and produce movies. So I went to film school. And as soon as I got to film school, I quickly realized they don't teach you much about business there. Uh, so I figured the best way to really learn about business and the most cost-efficient way at the time, and it still holds true today, is to start online businesses. So I started a few internet companies while I was going to college, more so to really just learn and experiment of what it really takes to get something up and running and to manage it. And then when I moved to Los Angeles in 2005 to pursue a career in film, it's when the entertainment industry started to reawaken to digital after the dot-com bust. Mm-hmm. So I basically got to LA, showed up, uh, started like everybody else at the bottom, making you know coffee and copies and deliveries. And as I started to kind of figure out, well, what's the strategy of getting out of this assistant role and getting into 
what I really wanted to do of producing, I quickly realized that there was tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of other people moving to LA every year, wanting to be movie producers. So my core specialty and what I really talk about in, in hook point is I had to find a way to stand out. Mm-hmm. And so I took a step back and I just started listening. I started listening to the conversations around the office from the, the head of the studio to directors and writers. And what I quickly realized is after you produce a movie and it's finished, there's a sense of anxiety that comes over the office at the studio. And it's because you just spent all of this money, in some cases, uh, tens of millions and hundreds of millions of dollars to produce this thing. And then you got to figure out, well, how do I get enough people to show up in the tunes of millions of people around the world in a matter of you know months, getting them to uh, to learn about this brand that's created from scratch and get them to show up. So I just uh, decided that I would offer my my experience in creating those internet companies because people will start asking, well, what is this social media thing? Because YouTube was just coming on the scene. MySpace was the big player, and then people were just asking about digital in general. And I just I just said, hey, listen, I started a few internet companies. I was going to college be more than happy to assist and, and guide you on this journey and quickly went from making coffee to starting a digital division for one studio and then moved over uh, to, to Paramount for a period of time as well. And just realized that there was more to digital and technology and where it was going and also realized that the making movies is really a corporate thing is people think it's this really creative and sexy thing, but it's just another corporation. Uh, and I just sensed that I was more cut out for doing my own thing of being an entrepreneur. Uh, so I left and started building technology platforms and licensing them back to big media companies. I built and licensed platforms for like MTV, Viacom, Vice Magazine, Yahoo, Paramount, Lionsgate. And it was really the MTV partnership that opened up the doors to work with like a Taylor Swift and her team and other notable people on how to really grow their their online presence and, and monetize it at a high level. And then from there, I got heavily involved in the paid media space because I really wanted to understand what it takes to scale for big brands and corporations. And it all ties back to advertising. And at the time, you know, social media advertising was just starting to really grow. Uh, so I helped advise a company that was really just starting out there. Three guys around a table had a great technology, a great uh, process for for optimizing YouTube advertising when it first came on the scene. Um, and they were only managing about $300,000 a year in, in paid ads. And you know, I helped uh, craft the strategy for them, brought in their, their lead investor, their lead counsel, their chief revenue officer, and also brought in some really big entertainment clients. And we quickly grew that company from $300,000 a year to upwards of $100 million a year in, in, in paid spend. Wow. And that was a tremendous learning lesson of the mismanagement of uh, creative advertising from a creative asset and an advertising perspective. So we started off on YouTube. We're, at one point, we were the largest third-party outside vendor of providing uh, advertising revenue to YouTube. But then when the brand safety stuff hit, we had to diversify into other other platforms. But the biggest lesson I learned is I would see these huge clients come to us with a piece of creative that they had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on and then saying, well, we want to spend millions of dollars against this creative, against a specific audience. And I was like, well, how do you know this is going to work to the tune of risking all of this money? 
And they didn't know. It was just a guess. Right. And for a corporation, sure, you can do that a few times and not really lose your shirt, but it's not a long-term strategy. And it's not a strategy for the rest of us that don't have millions of dollars to, to risk. So I knew there had to be a, a better way because this was a reoccurring theme with all the clients that I would see. So I stopped working with that company and started building my own set of testing methodologies on top of Facebook and Instagram really to understand how you can test and understand what content themes, formats, story structures work before you invest too too far in any direction. And was having a lot of success with going back to brands and corporations, testing that of hitting their key KPIs, which is primarily awareness, engagement, uh, things of that nature. And then I started having some celebrities and and journalists and and athletes coming to me saying, well, can you help us grow our audience? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to see, could I have that that presence or those strategies I developed for these big brands work for creating global followings for these individuals at scale and at, at a very quick and efficient rate. And I just saw the, the success as I was testing, seeing this data coming in from different parts of the world with different backgrounds. And I was quickly learning and iterating to the point that I knew that I had the strategy that I could grow the audience for anyone. And, and that's where I came up with the idea of, you know, doing this, this case study or experiment of generating a million followers in 30 days. And you had no, you had no following at the time you started from scratch. Yeah, I started from scratch and I I wasn't, and I'm still today, I'm not on television or professional athlete or musician or rock star. We've done it. And I think there's some misconception around the book for people that haven't read it. Now you've read it. So, you know, is like, we did this for my account, sure, but we've done this tens of, I don't even know how many times we've done it. We've done it like at least 10 or 15 times for other people. Yeah. And the people in the book represent over 100 million followers generated in over 50 billion views. So it's, it's, not, it's not about me and my account. My account was just to show that, you could do it. that it can be done. Yeah. Now, is that um, when you talk about testing, I think this is something that would apply to our audience as they're running social media content. They're creating content. We, we say it all the time. You have to be producing content for your social media that's delivering value to your audience. When you're testing things, um, what are you testing exactly? Is it the videos themselves? Is it the, the, the copy in your posts? Like walk through like how, what is your process for testing a post or a piece of creative? Yeah, so there's different methodologies for different platforms and also whether we're going after like a paid acquisition campaign where we're trying to drive a sale or a lead versus just purely organic. But at a high level, there is really two core elements to being successful in social media. It's very simple, but it's not easy to pull off. The first thing is how do you get somebody to stop in the feed? How do, you, how do you get that pattern interruption where they stop their scroll and you win that first three seconds? Because without winning that first three seconds, you're done. You're done from the standpoint that people are going to scroll past it. And as soon as the algorithms see that you scroll past it, then they're just going to suppress your reach. So the first element is we're always testing is like, what do those first three seconds look like? Is it the meme card? Is it the captions? Is it the visual in the video? Is it the image? What is it that's going to get somebody to stop? Explain meme card. Uh, meme card is like a burned in. You see this all the time where it's like a burned in 
uh, headline at the top of a video, and then you have the captions at the bottom. So that's gotcha. essentially a, a meme card. It's like a burned-in headline to the video. Yeah. So your your job at all your job your number one job and the only way you can be successful in social media is can you get somebody to stop? You can't do that. You're done. You're not going to have the success that you're looking for at scale. The second part is okay. Now you've won that attention. Now what does your retention look like? How long are you holding them and holding that attention for? The longer you're holding that attention for, the more reach and distribution that you're going to get. I don't know if you guys saw the the Netflix documentary, um, The Social Dilemma. Yeah. 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 So if you saw the in the visuals, the graphics of those three guys that play the character of the algorithm, you see all these numbers of the posts and which posts they're going to see to people. That's essentially what's happening from a content creator standpoint is you need to play to what those algorithms are looking for. And what they're looking for is just one thing and one thing only is what is the content that is going to keep people on this platform longer because that's how they make money. Right. And if you get good at creating that content, they get somebody to stop and then retain their attention for a longer period of time, the algorithms will love you and they'll give you as much reach as they possibly can because it's playing to what their overall business model is and how they're ultimately successful. Hmm. I'm curious just to try to simplify it even for from like a testing standpoint for our audience. Like one piece of like an ad that I would run or a post that I would post up, how many different variations would you recommend to people? I mean, we always obviously are telling people A, B test, uh, but like are you doing... We, are you recommending to people each ad you should have 10 different variations in testing? What have well, you found? First and foremost, I'm a, a firm believer in just taking small incremental steps. I don't want to overwhelm people and, and, and just right out the gates, you know, just start creating as many uh, variations as possible. I, I want to make this a sustainable solution. It, it, it really is a marathon and not a sprint. So when we talk about testing, it could be as simple as you just posting something organically and measuring the response of it. How many likes they get, how many comments, get into creator studio and look at the retention rate or the click through rate. Just very simple stuff. The biggest mistake that people make with social content is they just keep posting the same stuff or posting blindly and not really dissecting what is happening. And, and thus they don't get better. They don't get smarter. Like anything else, you have to learn. If you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're not learning from it. How, are, how do you plan on getting better at it? So the first thing is in whatever you're doing, even if you're just posting organically once a day or once a week, create a simple spreadsheet that tracks certain metrics and create a hypothesis before you create each piece of content is why do I, why do I think this piece of content is going to work? What is, about it is going to A, get somebody to stop and B, retain their attention for a longer period of time. And even if your hypothesis is wrong, at least you learn something from it. And if you do that process over and over again, you will get smarter. And then as you build that success momentum in your subconscious of, okay, I've ran a few tests, then you can get, you can go further with it. Maybe then you can go and create uh, a dark, dark post test on, on Facebook or Instagram ads or YouTube and start testing different variables and variations. So I just want to set the, the, 
the bar at, I just want you to, to learn something from what you're doing and then incrementally grow that, the, yeah. the tests that you do. I saw an example of this, though I don't think the person was, was doing this, but I literally was on a real estate agent's Instagram page. And it was um, a real estate agent, this woman's Instagram page. And I went to her Instagram page and the first photo was a photo of her with the home, tons of likes. The next 20 photos were like listing photos, no joke, no likes, like 23 likes versus 200 plus likes on her first photo with her. Then 20 or so images down, there's another picture of her, another couple hundred likes. And, and that's kind of drives home the point of what you're making, like, the audience is telling you what they're <laughs> responding to, what they're engaging with, but yet the content that kept being posted on the feed was not engaging. And the difference was, I mean, obvious yeah. um, right there. So I just think that a lot of times people don't even realize, I realized for my own Instagram, like today I posted a picture of me as a little kid. I'm getting so much more engagement on that than, than trying to be motivational. Like I'm trying to do these, you know, meme cards as you call them, these motivationals, not getting nearly as much engagement as I was on the post with me as a little kid. So it teaches me, hey, my audience wants to see more personal stuff in there. And I think that's something that people can apply. I want to go back to a golden nugget that I think you pointed out to people, which is here you go out to be this producer and there's hundreds of thousands of people that are trying to do the same job over and over again. And that is the real estate agent's pain point, the financial advisor's pain point, the insurance agent's pain point. There are thousands of people that come into that industry every single year. How do you stand out, especially when you're the product hmm. so often? And I'm curious, like, you know, and this maybe we'll go into hook point at this point and talk about like, how do you stand out and grab that three second attention? Like, what is the process that you have found to really grab people within that three seconds? Yeah, it's a great question. Let's start with where people go wrong with it. So the first place that people go wrong is not understanding that you have to win the initial part of the conversation to bring people into it. And that's where, like, you're talking about that real estate agent is failing is like, who really cares about a house that was just sold? Like, what, what is that? What is that value? To that, to that individual person. You've got to focus on really how do I first get somebody to stop so I can win the right to continue the conversation and take them on the journey that they want versus most people are starting with the sale or they're starting with what they want to express to them or the value they want to drive versus just creating that pattern interruption, stopping that endless scroll online or even, you know, talking to like, or being in a movie studio and uh, uh, you know the head of the studio is getting approached hundreds of times a day, is getting emails everywhere, phone calls, text messages, all that. You've got to first get them to stop so that you can win the next part of the conversation. Most people just miss that completely. Uh, second biggest mistake that people are making is they're saying the exact same thing in the exact same way as everybody else. So like the analogy I like to, to, to take is, let's say we're, we're launching a meditation app or a meditation retreat. Meditation has been talked about for thousands of years. Type in meditation into Google, there's going to be billions of results. So what is the typical person going to do? They're going to say the same thing as everybody else. Is meditation is the key to success. Meditation is the key to contentment. Meditation is going to relieve your anxiety or stress. The minute I see that, 
I already know what they're going to say. So I'm so just going to keep scrolling and moving on. It's not that I, I don't think that this person is valuable. I have no idea. Maybe this is this guy is amazingly valuable and, and his insights are are superior to anybody else. But because we're being pushed so much information on a daily basis, over 60 billion messages sent out on digital platforms each day, you're not just competing against your direct competitors. You're competing against every piece of content that's being published. So like it or not, you're competing against Kim Kardashian. You're competing against The Rock, Netflix, all of these content juggernauts. So true. You have to make sure that you stand out with the way that you're capturing that attention. So one of the tools that we use, we, we don't use it all the time, we use it sparingly, is uh, called subverting expectations, is flipping something on its head. So in this case with meditation, maybe it's maybe that meme card reads, meditation is a scam. Because typically you don't read that. Now, what I'm not talking about is clickbait here because I have to back it up with a story that matches that headline to retain the attention. Because again, remember, there's two parts to this is how do I grab the attention and then how do I retain it? So maybe I stop people with saying meditation is a scam. And then I start by maintaining that attention by saying, have you ever felt like meditation is a scam? Well, I feel your pain because when I first started meditating, I was in the same boat as you. I tried everything and the gurus were telling me I had to clear my head when I sat down. But every time I sat down, my head would race and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if it was that meditation was failing, it was a scam, or I just wasn't doing it right. And that's why today I want to just share a few techniques with you that worked for me as a non-meditator that got me into the to the practice of meditating every day for the past 10 years. Right. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want a larger presence on social media? Of course you do, because that's where your audience is. Check out Reminder Media's newest product, Branded Posts, specially designed to increase your presence on social media without increasing your effort. Choose from thousands of already written blog posts on topics your clients care about, like real estate, travel, and recipes. And the best part is, these are branded with your photo and contact information and ready to be shared. Plus, every two weeks, we'll send to your list of contacts a personally branded email newsletter filled with recipes, stories, and ideas that they will love to get. Visit ReminderMedia.com posts to see our newest digital product and start dominating your social media. That's ReminderMedia.com posts. Take action on this today. So you said you use that sparingly. I mean, I absolutely love that, how to subvert. A subvert. Oh, we so actually well, I mean, one of our ads right use now. Use it for the right cause. Not the right cause, but the right scenario. I don't want everybody to use subverting expectations. Well, because it'll stop, yeah, it'll stop being effective. And, and then yeah. it'll become the new clip. Well, it's not about that. I'm not worried about stopping being uh, affected, but just for the right scenario and the right brand and right product. Yeah. So what's another example of a hook point in, in that, that doesn't use that type of formula? Is there another formula well, that you would use? in my first book, Generating a Million Followers in 30 Days. When I decided to do it, it wasn't a matter of if I could do it. It was a matter of why I should do it. Mm. And it was because it was a hook point. So as soon as I, I, I created, as soon as I came up with the idea... I called a literary agent that's represented over $5 billion of the book sales. He brought like the four dummy series to market and he represents Eckhart Tolle. And I called him and I said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. If I do this, will you sign me as a client? Give me a publishing deal. And he's like, yes, I think it's a great idea. I think it'll do really well. Wow. And then I also asked other people that I really respect that are very successful, the same question. And then I knew that there was something there. I knew it, there was a hook. Uh, so that's why I did that. Now, there's a big difference. What I like to talk about in 
I think is really helpful for this conversation is there's a big difference between what people need and what people want. And that's another big mistake people, uh, people make is people know what they need, but the end consumer they're trying to reach may not want it or know they need it. So an example of my hook point is a million followers in 30 days is I know that's what people want. People want followers. But what they really need is they need the right mindset. They need to know how to test content. They know how to need to know how to create shareable content. So what I do is I hook people in with this hook of how I generated a million followers in 30 days to teach them what they need. Now that doesn't mean I am doing clickbait and not teaching them follower growth. I teach them in that in the book what it takes, but I'm really giving them what what they need. And if the book title was you know, the art of A-B testing and social media, or how to have the right mindset for social media, or how to create shareable content in social media, it wouldn't have the same effect. It wouldn't create that pattern interruption and get people to stop to pay attention to the conversation that I really want to have with them. Now, didn't you actually test your book title like as a social media post to see which one got more engagement, something like that? I think I remember. We tested uh, different versions of the book cover, and then I actually tested a version of me just talking. It was taken from an interview of me talking about the process that I use. And we attached it to a blog post with more information. And the blog post had an application if you wanted to work with me. And that generated over 16,000 applications uh, of people around the world applying to, to work with me and my team. But we had a pretty... At this point, we, we've done... I mean, I've been de- developing hook points for 15 years. So I have a pretty good grasp on what's going to work and what's not. We may just tweak certain variations around it. Uh, or certain design elements, but you know, on both of my books, I knew that 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 was you know a solid hook uh, based on my experience, and also having conversations with uh, the circle of partners that I have as well. I love that perspective. The fact that like, hey, I know that people need to learn how to test, not that they necessarily need a massive socialist, but that's what's going to get people to come in. I think that there's things that you could be doing in your business now. And this is so uh, relevant in services like real estate and financial services because so often people think, oh, they need the house. Yeah. Right. When you don't really need the house, which is what they lead with, you need the person that can help you make the right decision. Yeah. And that's ultimately what you're selling there. No, I think you're spot on. I would love to hear kind of like, is there a framework you can give? maybe it's high level framework you can give as the real estate agent or insurance agent is sitting here listening to this small you know, business, how can they start developing their hook point? Like where can they go to get the kind of framework to say, start working through this process? Yeah. So there's a, a five step framework that we break down in the book. We don't have enough time to go through all five steps, but I can give some, some initial guidance on it. Uh, first and foremost is do competitive analysis. Understand the market, understand what your competitors are doing, but then also branch out from that. You know, what are, what are the, what are the other people in other industries that may not be the exact same thing doing? Learn from them. Like also just start making your own list is like, what books do you buy? What's the hook around that? What TV shows? What movies? What billboards make you stop? Is just start paying attention to what grabs your attention. And then how can you take that? And then start plugging in your words, your offers, your phrases. Cause that's one of the, the, the kind of short hacks to get better at it is most people. I mean, we've been doing this for so long. So for us, we can see 
we can see what makes somebody unique. We can see what makes somebody stand out and help them craft that hook uh, very quickly. Versus if you don't have that experience, you need a stepping stone to get good at it. And that's one of the ways that you can start you know, building that experience is, is really studying the landscape around you of what really captures your eye and then do a play on words or a play on formats of how you can make it work for what you do. Uh, the second element uh, with that as well is when one of the exercises I give people is imagine you're given the cover of a magazine uh, in your specific niche and the editor calls you and says, you're, you're on this cover, you're the only person on it. What is that headline that you want to choose that represents your brand or your product or service? And when thinking about that, imagine your core customer walking down a busy street and passing a magazine stand with 30 other magazines. If you've ever been to a magazine, there, there's just so many. What is that headline that's going to make somebody stop, pick it up, buy it, and read it? Because that's how difficult it is in today's world. But when working with a client, I don't want you to just come up with one. I want you to come up with as many you can think of, 5, 10, 15, 20. And once you hit that creative wall, push yourself even further. And then when you have that full list, then you can pare it down to three or four of the best ideas and then test them against each other. And that testing can come in many different forms. It can be as simple as having conversations with your clients, uh, your customers, your partners, your family, or you can get more complex and implement you know, the strategies that we break down in, in our books and, and take it online and A-B test it as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the idea of the magazine. Like literally, what would right. make you stand out? What tagline would make you stand out? For a uh, financial advisor, right? Or, or a real estate agent, do you find like, is there a hook point? I guess the word this is like their hook point. Is it their unique value proposition and their personality and what they bring to the table from that standpoint? Or is it the service that they offer? Because as a real estate agent, the struggle is, and the reason why I'm asking this is because you're no different in servicing in ways than the person right next to you. So from a headline standpoint, am I kind of trying to go down the craft of like, hey, why did I get into this business? What's unique about me? Am I a person that's data-driven and I know the market? Am I a person that loves people and I'm great at being the, you know, the concierge service? Like, is that the route you would advise people to go down is more personality-driven, why-driven versus service-driven? Well, it depends. So personality is, do you have the personality? Like Gainer, Gary Vaynerchuk has the personality. Myself, I don't have the same personality that he does. So for my brand, I'm not going to rely on personality to stop. And you need to be, you'll get somebody to stop and you need to pay attention and be honest with yourself of what are your core skill sets. Uh, so that's one. Definitely not starting with the why. Uh, like there's a lot of great information about your purpose, your why, your branding, all of that, which is extremely valuable. But that doesn't win attention. Mm. That's kind of the second layer of the story that you tell to people once you have them in the door. Uh, so there's there's a few different elements. And again, it's 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 really dependent on the business and it's really dependent on on the individual. So when when I'm doing a, a session with somebody to craft, craft their hook point, I'll sit there and, and listen to them and interview them for like an hour straight. Just looking in some, in some instances, I figured out in the first 15 minutes. Some instances, it takes me 90 minutes to, to figure it out, but I'm intently listening to what, what is, what is the unique way that they stand out from everybody else. And 
one of the 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 tools that we use and, and think about in this process is um, in one of my friends that I interviewed for the Hookpoint book that's that sold over a billion dollars worth of product on social media, as he says that the minute that you can articulate somebody's pain point better than they can articulate articulate it to themselves, then you're going to win that person over. They're going to trust you implicitly. They're going to want to work with you. And it's so amazing how few people actually sit back and think about what is keeping my core audience or customer up at night? What is creating anxiety? What is creating stress? And oftentimes, if you come up with that and you lead with that, most of your competitors aren't even having that communication because they're so focused on the sale, sale, sale. And it's like with real estate, like you're trained to be a salesman. That's your job. You're, if you're a good real estate agent, you're probably one of the best salesmen in the world, mm-hmm. or at least in your, in your area. But that doesn't mean you're a good marketer. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between marketing and sales. And, and nobody, nobody likes to be sold to. And there was a great interview with Bob Pittman, the founder of MTV, who basically said, you can't sell anybody anything. All you can do is offer to solve a problem for them. And I firmly believe that is like, if you look at it from the standpoint is what is the biggest problem? What is the biggest pain point that I can solve for my customer around my product or service? You will ultimately win. And that's how I've had success. I never go into a meeting trying to sell anything to anybody. I just want to understand who this person is, what are their challenges, what are their obstacles, and how can I solve that either through myself and my services and the way that we work with people, or maybe it's a referral. Or maybe it's a book, or maybe it's a video or a podcast. I'm just trying to understand who this person is, how they perceive the world. And then ultimately, uh, you express a way to solve that. And it, you know, if you just, if you ask yourself or anybody listening this, what is the biggest problem you're experiencing today? And it can be anything. It can be personal, it can be business, it can be relationships, partnerships. Just, just write it down or just think about it. Now, just imagine somebody just walked up to you right now and says, I want to solve that problem for you. <laughs> what are you going to say? <laughs> please, 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 please yes. help me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's your spot on. From the sales so perspective, good. I mean, your whole job is based on your ability to influence people. So you're consistent. You're always thinking, it's not, it's not intentional, but you're always thinking me, me, me. Mm-hmm. The ability to take a step back and say, what is keeping my prospects up at night. And if I can enunciate that or describe that better than they can themselves subconsciously, they're going to believe that you have the solution because you were able to describe it. The credibility it gives you right away. Yeah. Authority is unbelievable. So let's jump into, uh, Brendan, Luke and I love asking everyone who comes on the podcast here, but it seems like you're a super, super intentional dude, right? So daily habits, kind of what are you doing every day in your business? It could be your life, whatever that are really driving your success. Well, the, the, the biggest thing is learning, learning something every day. And I, I don't know that I make a conscious effort to do it. I think it just happens naturally of my curiosity, but I want to learn new ways of doing things and strategies and meeting new people and being open to, to outside the box ways of achieving anything, both personally and professionally. Secondarily is, is one of the, the intentional practices that I do every day is just breathing properly and just focusing on the breath to really ground myself and uh, improve my health, improve my focus and energy. 
So I would say those are really the two things. Awesome. No, I, I love, love that. that. Uh, so what is it, the advice that you would give your younger self? Think of that high school age kid. What advice would you give him? What would you go back and tell him? I, I would say it's, it's really being patient and finding more ways to believe in yourself and that you will find the right answers and find the right path. Because that's something that I struggled with very early on is a lot of self-doubt, a lot of uh, self-confidence issues and anxiety around things not happening in the exact way I want them or in a, a quicker time period. And again, that's where the mindset part of everything comes comes into perspective and is, is so valuable to success. And I think mindset oftentimes, especially in today's world, is is overused a lot, that word or that term, but it's so important. Like everything comes down to mindset. Like you cannot be successful without it. Yep. And 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 to me, that is one of the the most critical things that I've learned over the years. And I continue to learn. I'm not saying I've mastered it by any means and I'm not perfect at it. It's something that I have to to work at every day. But that is something that I think would have made the path more enjoyable instead of more kind of, uh, you know, anxiety and stress filled. Now mm. yeah, that's awesome. Patience is so valuable, but yet so underrated <laughs> with people. It really it's so is. hard. Oh my God. So impatient hard. for patience. Yeah. <laughs> now, Brandon, thanks for coming on. You've, I know you've got your business, you've got your books, let people know how they can connect with you or find out if they even want to look into your services. Yeah, I think that uh, regardless of your, even if you're interested in the 1 million followers book, I, I recommend everybody start with Hook Point because if I gave people a million followers tomorrow and you don't know how to grab attention, it doesn't really mean that much because you're not going to get the reach in the algorithms. And if anybody has seen the, 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 the social dilemma, they're going to know exactly what I'm talking about and they probably have a new perspective and may want to go back and, and rewatch it. So uh, where they can get the Hookpoint book, I would go to book.hookpoint.com because we give them a free hour and a half masterclass uh, if they get the book from there. Awesome. Uh, they can also email me at bkane at brendanjkane.com or direct message me on Instagram at brendankane. No, that's awesome, Brandon. Thanks so much. We're going to have all of those links in the show notes for this episode over at staypaidpodcast.com. While you're there, you can also get the video for all of our episodes. And if you're looking for ways to support the show, there's two ways we ask for that. One is to head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review and a comment. The other one is to tell a friend about this podcast today. If you want to get hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast at remindermedia.com or you can find us on Instagram. We are at staypaidpodcast.com. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, and I'm Luke Acre. What a great episode to re-listen to. I'm actually going to give you two action items from this episode. So you guys get two action items that you have to implement tomorrow. And remember this, like you can listen to this podcast and it's great, meaning you're going to get incredible principles, incredible tips. But if you do nothing, it really is not going to move your business or life forward at all. Implement these two action items. And I truly believe that you'll have great success with it. One is, what is the greatest pain point that's keeping your clients up at night? Take some time, sit down and reflect and go, what is that pain point that you are solving for them? What is keeping them up at night? And then the second action item is, what is the headline that you would put on the magazine? Like Brendan said, if the editor called you today and think about it through the lens of you're walking down the sidewalk and you see the magazine stand and you have to stand out and push yourself once you get to that 10, like he's talking about that 15 headlines, 
push your creativity to the next level and get the other couple headlines and then go test them. Remember this, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer, Josh and I have worked in over 140 different industries now. Every one of the top producers, they take action. So take action on that today.